Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 10th, 10th episode of Mentally Optimal. Today's episode is not about some cringy Among Us meme, for those who have played that game and know about the imposter. No, today's podcast is all about identifying and managing something called imposter syndrome. But before we get into that, as always, Mentally Optimal is a podcast focused on educating the public on mental skills that can be applied to their everyday life. These mental skills are grounded within the field of sport and performance psychology, but they have implications for anyone simply wanting to be better. Importantly, the topics covered within this podcast relate only to performance improvement, as no one affiliated with Mentally Optimal has any background in clinical or counseling psychology. About me, my name is Anthony Alibro. I graduated from Florida State University with a master's in sports psychology, and I've had multiple opportunities to serve as a mental performance consultant, working with elite athletes across multiple domains and levels. For those scratching their head about what a mental performance consultant is, in the sport and performance world, mental performance consultants work with performers and athletes alike on the mental side of their performance. This can include things like ensuring their attention's where it needs to be. This can include how to optimally handle performance under pressure. This can include building team cohesion and learning to work best as a unit. And it also include the topic of today's podcast, which is what do we do and how do we identify if we're dealing with something called imposter syndrome? Now, while much of the literature and findings within the field of sport and performance psychology are found within the sport and performance domains, The information is highly relevant to anyone and everyone simply wanting to improve performance in any domain. So the way I'm going to format this pod, I'm going to talk about what imposter syndrome is, what are some of the symptomology and sort of tendencies of someone who suffers from imposter syndrome, where it might stem from or originate, and actionable steps you can take to overcome imposter syndrome. So the very formal definition of imposter syndrome is a perverse psychological experience of a person believing they are a self-perceived intellectual fraud and fearing they may may be recognized as an imposter. So basically, someone who suffers from imposter syndrome feels just like that. They feel like an imposter. They feel inadequate compared to everyone else. They feel as though they don't belong in the current environment that they find themselves in. They're not going to live up to the expectations surrounding them. Now, it's important to note that imposter syndrome can affect you in multiple facets of life. It could be your work, it can be your athletics, it can be your hobbies, it can be even roles you take in your personal life. Some people might feel like a fraud in multiple domains or every domain they participate in, while others might feel like a fraud in only very specific domains, whereas some people might feel competent in their work and maybe they don't feel as competent in athletics or vice versa. Another important thing to note about imposter syndrome is it is prevalent amongst everyone, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, and even regardless of where you are in your job. It does not matter if you're in an entry-level position or if you're even at the top of the food chain as some kind of CEO or CPO or CFO. Every single person has the potential at one point or another to suffer from imposter syndrome. Now, Another interesting tidbit about these individuals who suffer from imposter syndrome is that you can still be achievers and you can still showcase rather impressive achievements, but you can still feel like you're inadequate. You can still always have that feeling like you're never enough, that emptiness feeling that sits in the bottom of your stomach. For myself, before I actually got into the field of sport and performance psychology, I was convinced I was going to have a career in neuroscience research. And after graduating with a bachelor's degree, I got into a post-bachelor's research position at the National Institutes of Health. 
And for those who don't know what that is, if you've seen Dr. Fauci's face plastered all over media, especially since COVID's come about, he's a director of one of these institutes at the National Institutes of Health, also shortened as NIH. Uh, for Dr. Fauci, obviously, he specializes in infectious disease. I was in neuroscience, but for those who don't know, the NIH is known for attracting some of the best and brightest scientific minds across the world. Now, with that in mind, imagine myself, some 21-year-old, freshly graduated psychology major. You can understand how I could feel like a fraud, how I could feel like I could never fit into this highly competitive, highly academic environment where it felt like everyone's brain was about six times my size. I always kind of had that feeling, especially in the beginning, that I would never achieve to the extent others at NIH would and could. So like others who suffer from imposter syndrome, fear, doubt, and anxiety crept in every single time I went into work. And I always kept asking myself whether success was even possible in comparison to what others were doing at NIH. Some of these researchers were publishing their own textbooks. Some of these researchers were developing vaccines. If you don't know this, one of the COVID vaccines was actually developed with Moderna at one of the NIH campuses in Bethesda. So anyways, you can imagine some of the best and brightest minds are at NIH, and then they had me. Not to put myself down, but to understand how I could possibly feel imposter syndrome in that environment. Now, when we feel like frauds and when we feel like imposters, how do we tend to respond? And a lot of times, individuals who suffer from imposter syndrome meet their feelings of inadequacy with either over-preparation or perfectionism. It's basically that idea that if you work twice as hard, maybe, just maybe, you can fit in and you can catch up to others, other people's abilities. Now, this obviously comes with consequences of its own, where you completely drive yourself into overwork, you just put yourself to the grindstone, and you associate acceptable work and progress just after completely burning yourself out. And similar to the burnout episode I talk about, this creates that feedback loop where we overwork we, you, we do yield results, and we feel a, just a sliver of satisfaction, and then repeat. So you overwork, you yield just enough results where you kind of feel slightly satisfied with yourself, and then you repeat that process. Some people may not even give themselves that satisfaction, and you just tell yourselves that whatever we accomplished was due to dumb luck or was achieved through the help of someone else much more competent than us. So you can see how that sort of positive feedback cycle can turn quite toxic quite quickly. Now, outside of overworking to compensate for those feelings of inadequacy, those with imposter syndrome will also completely fixate on their mistakes and errors rather than try to move past them or even focus on their own achievements. Especially when I was early on in conducting neuroscience research, there was a time where I was just absolute garbage at some of the technical aspects of the job. And as all of those with imposter syndrome will do, I immediately began making comparisons to those who were much better than I was. And some of these individuals had five plus years of experience, and some of them even had already doctorate degrees within the field where I was just coming out with a bachelor's degree. Now, this further compounded that idea that I felt like I was a fraud. I felt like I was never going to make it in neuroscience. I felt like I was going to be fired for incompetence anytime my boss called me into her office. Those suffering from imposter syndrome will be much, much more likely to fixate on their own mistakes rather than their growth and rather than their own progress. And with this fixation on mistakes, with this fixation on errors, we can see how imposter syndrome can negatively impact our self-esteem and how we perceive our own self-worth. 
especially with those individuals who have a really high job identity or they associate much of their personal worth and value in whatever they feel like an imposter in. If we are constantly feeling like frauds in the very thing we feel identifies us, it makes us more likely to deal with anxiety, to sometimes even deal with depression. And also, we can make it more likely that we deal with burnout if we continue to respond with these feelings of inadequacy with overwork. So on top of that and beyond that, where does this imposter syndrome stem from? Where does it originate? Can we point to something and say, that's why I feel like an imposter? Well, one of the major sort of origins, if you will, or even associates with imposter syndrome is a fear of failure. And with imposter syndrome, there is a core need to avoid failure at all costs. Why? Why is it that we have such an immense fear of failure? Well, if you look back at those imposters' tendencies to overfixate on mistakes, to overfixate on errors, these individuals will overgeneralize one failure to define themselves and define their own value. One can understand how if you make a mistake, then you identify yourself by that one mistake. You're reinforcing the idea that every time you're falling or coming up short, it's reinforcing the idea that you yourself are a failure. This comes that anxiety, this comes that dread surrounding any and every task or challenge in which failure is a possibility. Now, the fear of, the fear of failure also extends beyond how we view our own self-worth, as those individuals with imposter syndrome also fear negative judgments from others and the idea of being exposed publicly or socially. What's interesting is that compared to individuals who don't suffer from imposter syndrome, there's actually research to suggest that individuals who do have imposter syndrome can and are performing at the same level as their peers. So what this means is that those individuals who feel inadequate, who feel like they're not enough, who feel like they're lagging behind others, those feelings are all in their head. They're actually not even true, which is a little interesting tidbit that sometimes are the way our mind works can weaponize us against us, and it can really distort reality. So another sort of origin or idea of how imposter syndrome sort of manifests is what are our ultimate goals within this position, within athletics, within our personal roles with family, whatever you feel like an imposter in. And this goes back to a goal orientation known as approach versus avoidance goals. So an approach orientation or a, an approach goal is essentially this idea that you're always striving towards something. You're striving towards progress. You're wanting to see progress, improvement, self-growth, your own development. That's what's getting you in and out the door every single day. That's why you're putting effort forward. You yourself want to see progress. You want to see yourself grow. Now, on the other end of this is something called avoidance goal orientation. And this takes an opposite approach and is also the orientation that many people with imposter syndrome suffer from, and they usually weaponize and utilize against themselves. So this avoidance motivation, you're always doing your best to avoid embarrassment. You're always trying to do your best to avoid failure. And really, you're trying to avoid looking incompetent, especially amongst peers, amongst family, amongst coworkers. That fear of failure I talked about earlier, is likely going to be further and further compounded. And that's going to always put you in that state of dread and in that state of anxiety. So those with imposter syndrome are always striving away from failure and putting effort forward to not appear incompetent or incapable. And finally, just kind of to touch on this a little bit, something I mentioned on other podcasts, is the mindset that we have 
towards various things. So there's something called a growth mindset and there's something called a fixed mindset. And Carol Dweck out of Stanford basically identified growth mindset as people who learn from their mistakes, people who seek opportunities to grow from errors, people who understand that over time you're going to make mistakes, but you'll continue to grow and progress from them. Whereas a fixed mindset is you believe you've plateaued, you believe you can't grow, you're not going to learn from mistakes, and you just can't achieve anymore. It's all about your own perceptions regarding mistakes and regarding your own progress and development. And it's obvious to see and obvious to say that those individuals with imposter syndrome usually tend to fall somewhere within that fixed mindset where they just can't fathom progressing, they can't fathom themselves on the same level as their fellow peers and coworkers. So with that being said, how do we overcome imposter syndrome? What do we do to sort of get rid of that empty feeling at the pit of our stomachs, that, those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings like we're a fraud, those feelings like we don't belong? Well, a crucial first step that you can take is recognizing irrational thoughts surrounding your performance and experience level. So especially with how you view mistakes and even coming to terms with mistakes as part of the process and accepting them as part of the process, don't allow yourself to have a single mistake define you or your abilities. Now, it's so, so easy to make a mistake, and especially if you're called out on that mistake, to just go ahead and label yourself and identify your abilities by that one mistake. If you look at the best of the best, if you watch the best of the best, whether it be in sport, whether it be as performing artists, whether it be in, in any and all domains, there's going to be mistakes that they make. The best quarterbacks throw interceptions. The best pitchers give up home runs. The best basketball players get dunked on. They get crossed over. It doesn't matter. If you look at an entire person's body of work, that's what defines them. It's not the singular or maybe even multiple mistakes that they're making. Challenge those labels that you're giving yourself, especially after you make a mistake. Recognize progress. Recognize the things you are accomplishing, the things you are getting done, even if it's rather slow. And especially if you're at a lower experience level where you're just getting into something for the first time, you're obviously going to have more hiccups along the way. Recognize that that's just part of the growth process. Now, especially going with this idea of imposter syndrome comes the idea of social comparisons. And with social comparisons, there's healthy versus unhealthy. And especially really in, in just about everything we do, you're going to have peers or colleagues or coworkers or friends in similar positions as you, and you might be completing similar work. You might be doing some of the exact same things. Social comparisons are completely normal. They're natural. They're always going to happen just because of the fact that people are doing similar things as us. However, the ways that you interpret your social comparisons and your reactions to those social comparisons can be the difference between feeding those thoughts that you're a fraud and an imposter versus viewing it as an opportunity for yourself to get better. Again, to reference sort of my brief time when I was in neuroscience, I had this tendency to compare my abilities and knowledge to individuals with five to six plus years of experience, and many of them already had doctorate degrees in neuroscience. Now, constantly comparing my abilities to theirs made me feel inadequate, made me feel like I was always lagging behind, and it fed into those thoughts that I could never make it in the field. When you see others doing better, or you especially see others with more experience than you within a field, take the time to ask them about what they did to get there and how long it took to reach a certain level of proficiency. 
even if you reach a certain level of proficiency or if they re reached a certain level of proficiency rather at a quicker rate than you, understand that people are gonna progress at different rates in different things. Don't use it as an immediate opportunity to put yourself down. So again, social comparisons are completely natural, but if you use them to weaponize against yourself, they can quickly turn toxic and they can only feed into those thoughts of inadequacy that you're an imposter in whatever field you're in. And finally, personal growth versus avoiding embarrassment. So going right off the idea of the goals we are setting and why we're putting effort into something, you'll find it a lot more satisfying if you're striving towards something rather than away from something. Take the time to reflect and even reframe why you're doing something or the line of work you're in. That can help you shift your mindset from, I just don't want to embarrass myself, to something more productive, like, I want to progress at this for me, or I want to continue developing at this so that I can see my own progress. That can work wonders for your overall mindset, as well as dealing with that constant fear of failure. A focus on development rather than a focus on not failing can help foster that growth mindset, and it can keep you more motivated and less anxious about your performance in the long term. Now, the final takeaway I want you guys to have about imposter syndrome is that this will not be an overnight change. This is not going to happen instantaneously as great as that would be. However, you can take small steps throughout the day or even throughout the week to challenge those feelings of inadequacy, to challenge your own perceptions surrounding mistakes and errors, and to also reframe your why and your own performance goals. These small incremental changes like these will help to buffer against those feelings of being a fraud, and they can help your development across all domains. With that being said, that concludes the 10th episode of Mentally Optimal. On whatever platform you're on, let me know what you think. Like, subscribe, interact. Um, if there's something you've done or if there's something you read about where it helped you deal with imposter syndrome, whether it be more recently, whether it was 10, 20 years ago, let me know, let others know, as I'm sure this is uh, a thing that many of us deal with, but we keep concealed. With that being said, I will see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you.